when you started learning about all sorts of deep biases, uh, did you suddenly become more aware of what you were doing when you were in these situations? Yes, that's true. So uh, the more you know it, the more you realize when when they happen. And I think you know, touching this, uh, it it you know it brings something to my mind that I haven't thought about is why don't we teach customers about their biases? And you know, in order, okay, when we're not there, then they can take care of themselves in order to not you know not take those wrong decisions. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CX Insider. Today we talk to Andre Kalin, Head of Customer Experience at BCR, the Commercial Bank of Romania. In this episode, we dive into the consumer psychology behind banking and explore how it's being utilized in Romania. Now enjoy the episode, and if you do, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel for access to the best content that CX Insider has to offer. By the way, this podcast is brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. Okay, so um, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Uh, We usually start with an introduction. So would you mind to give us an intro of who you are and what you do, your hobbies, your background? Sure. Let me start with the professional part, let's say. So... Right now, I'm leading the customer experience department in the BCR Bank in Romania. BCR is actually because, you know, it's more specific. So BCR is actually a universal bank in Romania. It's um, its second largest bank in Romania. Um, and when I say I lead uh, the team, the customer experience department, I mean that I create the customer experience strategy and also support my teams for um, executing it. Um, but with the help of a lot of colleagues within the bank. My background and my career is all related to customer, to customer, customer focus. Um, I've been working in customer care. I've been, you know, creating customer experience team and strategies. I've worked also in the pre-sales, so also a direct communication with, with customers. Then um, I had both execution roles and also management roles, leading teams. I've been lucky, actually, I'm trying to, most of the time I'm, I'm telling a story that I've been very lucky when I was, uh, because I have more than 15 years in customer-related uh, jobs. So this happened, I think, when I was 21, I had a, a opportunity, I was lucky enough to work in the U.S., and I was working at a front desk in a, in a hotel. And actually, those three months in the front desk, I think I, I got the customer bug there. There's a very... Um, important customer, um, you know, customer service uh, culture in the U.S. So I brought this home with me, and I I, I stay with it, and I I you know I developed it through my professional years, and also personally, I must say that I am uh, I take my dad role very seriously. I'm a proud father of uh, almost five years old twins. And um, yeah, and I'm very lucky also to have a, a, a super supportive uh, wife, which actually, as a as a funny note, um, works also in in a customer experience role. So our yeah, our friends are actually laughing and they're saying that we are customer experience family or CX family. <laughs> and and I was thinking that during this you know five years since we got the kids, I think. My kids heard customer experience around the house, uh, these words, 
expressed, I think, more than any other kids. <laughs> so it's 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 a funny it's a funny note. Um, also, I like to to jog in the morning. It helps me actually. Um, it helps me bring up some new solutions and ideas for my challenges, and that that motivates me actually. And uh, you know, I, I read online business articles. I also like traveling now a lot with the family. So that's my my short introduction. I don't know how short was it. <laughs> no, it's nice. When you said you have five year old twins. I thought you were going to say five kids and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> no, 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 not five. Two, it's enough, I think. Yeah. And you have time to run in the morning, huh? <laughs> yes, I do now because actually um, this, why, if you would have asked me like six years ago, if I was able to wake up at 6 a.m. and then start running, I would say that you're crazy. I'll never do that. But, you know, I, I learned that because one of them, it's uh it's very early riser. So I had to wake up early and that actually was very beneficial for me. And I really appreciate that happening to me because I really enjoy, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy waking up in the morning now. I think it's, it's a great time. It's very quiet. You get time for yourself a lot and you know, everything's quiet around and I really appreciate that. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused a rapid shift towards digitalization across all industries and especially banking. However, there's a considerable number of customers who actively avoid online banking. How has the pandemic affected these behaviors in Romania? Yeah, so of course that a lot changed during the last two years. I think everything changed. You feel like everything changed during the last two years. I think also the customer might feel that. So, you know, there's a lot of things happening to them from the you know, from different sides, both political, as you were seeing now, and, you know, the pandemic, but also from the from their suppliers or for, from their interactions with, with suppliers. What happened a lot, of course, and it's obvious, as you were saying, during the pandemic, we had this acceleration in the digital way of servicing or, or um, proposing products and servicing to, to customer. This came actually from the demand from customers. This is what I feel. And actually, businesses have tried to uh, to step up and to to fulfill that this demand. So this this had uh, uh, this led to this acceleration in, in online, digital, and so on and so forth. But what I'm seeing now is like most things. When you get a lot of something in a very short period of time. At one point, you get saturated about it. Okay, so even you know, even the, the, you know, sweets. If you eat a lot in a very short period of time, you don't. You tend not to want to eat in the in the next time. So I think this is what happening. What's happening now? Because there was a lot of digital and a lot of online during those two two years. Customers are tr- are beginning to. Um, to evaluate these interactions from, I'd like to say, from some kind of a sieve of value and maybe opportunity. So they're asking themselves now because they have now they now they have options. So they're asking, okay, do I really need this online or digital interaction, or do I really find the value in this digital and online interactions, or do I find value in, for example, human interactions? So this is what I feel that it's happening now with with the customers and this digital overload that they've been feeling in the in the past two years. Um, 
so so now they're looking to see actually where's the the value in the interaction and then we're seeing that in in our country also um people wanting to have more interactions in branch with the uh with the face to face but in the meantime i think they're doing this evaluation and saying for example i'm convinced that most of the customer won't go to branch now to or to reissue their pin number for the card because this this is something that i call hygiene you know experience you don't need a person to you know to give you that number you can always get it online this means that now they're keeping the interactions the human interactions which bring them more value for example for more sophisticated product more complex product where actually um, a, a person can personalize and can advise you better at the moment than uh, uh you know an application or an online interaction uh, another thing that i'm seeing after the pandemic and also it's related to the current situation is customer being more attentive and also businesses are are looking at, at the at this right now about the uh, uh, about what they're paying, the costs that they're they're paying, and the, the uh, yeah the fees, for example, in our case, that they're paying for services and products, uh, because the, the inflation at the moment, then customers are more are paying more attention to what are they getting for the 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 the, the prices that they're paying, and I I'm trying to say that the banking industry must be very careful to that. Why is that? Is, is because some costs and some prices of the financial products are not that easy to understand. So when you position, for example, a cost that it's very low, and I don't think that's applicable only to banking, but to most of the products and services, when you position a front, um, a, a front cost or a front price very low, then the customer needs to and has to go a bit deeper to see exactly what's the value behind that that low cost and if they're not really you know future costs that that can be can can actually have a, a bigger impact than a higher cost at the moment so this focus on low cost and prices goes with a bit of of concern from both customers but also from from banking making sure that they're transparent with the fees and and the and costs for for their products. There's an interesting bias or information regarding this, that people are very attentive to only the information that they're seeing. There's a uh, there's a bias described in uh, in Daniel Kahneman's book in Thinking Fast and Slow, which is called "What You See Is All There Is." And basically, this is what we're doing. Our mind can fo- can can process cannot process a lot of information at the same time. So we're you were believing that what we're seeing is is the, the the perfect thing and then everything that that there is about that and we're not doing a lot of research behind and we really need to be careful about this way of uh, of customers reacting to prices. Dealing with the oversaturation of digital services that customers have experienced sounds like a big challenge. In a way, people desiring physical interaction is a good thing. But when the bank is trying to promote the use of digital, it can also be a hindrance. How can you strike the right balance between the two, and what does Andre look for in doing so? 
we as customer experience professionals are looking a lot from a customer perspective. So I might, you might hear me saying that from my point of view as a customer, because I am also a banking customers, customer. So from my point of view as a customer, I, I would, uh, and, and what we're trying to do also is to do exactly what we're, what I was saying earlier. So see exactly what's the value of the digital and what's the value of human interactions and try to actually uh, uh, push the value rather than the, the product. Because I tend to say that digital by itself or online by itself, they don't sell. Customers don't want digital or don't want you know the, the, an app. They just want to fulfill their goals, in our case, financial goals, in an you know, efficient, value-added way. So we need to see exactly what are they finding value in digital and how can we provide actually value in digital and what's the value that we can provide in, in branches. And there's there's been a lot of discussions, not only now, but since the, all the digitalization started in, in banks that what's going to happen with branches. And I think this is what's going to happen. You, you don't, you know, you don't give the customer the pain in branch anymore but you give it digitally, if the customer lost the pin, then they can re-issue it in, in the digital. That's the value that the digital brings. Whereas at the moment, and I'm sure that it's not going to be sooner in, in digital, at the moment, if you'd like to, for example, go and invest your money, then it's it's a lot easier and, and not easier necessarily, but there's a lot more value in talking to a financial expert because it it it's in one place, let's say a lot of knowledge in one place, rather than you investing, not losing, but investing your time in understanding a lot of specific uh, information. So coming back to your question, I think that's what we're trying to do at the moment. Keep what it's important and valuable for a customer and when I say, in the digital. And when I say valuable in the digital means fast, easy, you know, hygiene things, uh, because the, the more complex you bring in digital, the more harder and the more complex will be for a customer to go through digital. And we don't want to be hard. We want to be easy. That's the idea. And if you want to have more, uh, you know, more meaningful and more uh, important discussions that you can always go to, to the branch. Now it seems value can be found in both digital and physical banking experiences, but there are a lot of services that thrive if the customer seeks them out online. For example, processes like bank transfers and opening an account are far more efficient digitally. What does Andre think is the reason for this reluctance to switch, and what could banks do to encourage the preference for online banking more effectively? If I had the, the the right answer for that, I'm sure that you know everybody would uh, would pay me a lot of money to find it. I don't think actually there is the right answer. So I'm I'm going to give you the answer that we're trying. What we are doing actually, not only trying to get those people to use more digital because they're we believe also that they it brings more value to them. Um, but before that, I think it's also. It's also important to see the context. So we are, you know, we are still after 30 something years after the, the communism. So we're still a country that has people which are very, uh, 
used to cash, for example. So we still have uh, we still have a lot of cash payments in the society. That's one context. Um, and the other thing is that you know it, it depends. We're and we are as a bank very involved into the financial education of the of the population. So we're still a bit behind with the financial literacy and education in the country. I think these are the reasons why people haven't or we don't have a very high um, um, acceptance or or willing to use a lot of digital when it comes to banking. But you know we we know the problems and we are trying to find solutions for that. And what we've been seeing that it's working really well actually. And I found it funny when I heard about it is that people are going into the branch and we've uh, we've we've taught and we've uh, you know we've given the the, the tools to the branch uh, representatives to help the customer with their own device. So what's happening is that a customer comes to the branch wants to do something which is actually in digital it can be done in, in the app or in online or digitally. And it's going, it's talking to representative and the representative says, okay, you know, open up your phone, you know, install this app if he doesn't have it installed or she doesn't have it installed and look how you can do it online with me here. If the customer has the app, then the, you know, we're showing, okay, you can do that on your, thanks for, for coming. You know, we can help you with that. If you can open up your, um, your app and there's the menu here, and this is, you know, those two, three clicks that you can do it for yourself. So what, what we're doing in actually, uh, we're, we're, you know, it's not using, but we've, we've taught the customer, the, the, the bank representative to help customers use the, the digital. And I think it's really important with the customer device. So next time when he's at home, he needs he, he has to decide if he has the same problem or a similar one. Do I need to go to the branch and someone show me something? Or at least I can try it myself here, you know, a couple of times. If it's not working, I'm going back to, to the branch. So we're doing that. We're actually starting to remove the processes from, from branch, which can be done uh, digitally. So customers can come to the branch for, for digital processes. But, you know, there's not an option. It can either be done by a representative or by the customers. Uh, they're always going to be done by the customer because it's available in, in the app. So this helped a lot, actually, too. And then you mentioned earlier if it's a lack of trust. And I think there's also this. So customers don't trust not necessarily the banks. There's also this um, in general. But they, uh, this is less than, than a couple of years ago. Customers don't don't yet have this uh, trust in in using digital with their finances, or not that high of a trust. So we're trying to build that to see that there's nothing wrong. They cannot, you know, they cannot do something wrong there that can't be fixed. For example, so there's also this um, this empowerment of uh, of the customer. I think that's the the best solution from my point of view, and I've seen that it's working. Another solution, and uh, um, it's it's not trying to change customer behavior. Um, and this is also related to what you were mentioning. It's also customer behavior, of course, that we're very, it's very hard to change our behaviors. And personally, I think every one of us knows that in kind of a context. 
Um, so um, what we're trying to do is not change completely the habit. So it's not like either um, in the branch or um, online. It's we're trying to push a bit. So for example, okay, you know, just open up the, the app now and, you know, this is the first step. We're trying to build steps for the customers. And we've also built that, for example, in a known boarding phase. You know, you don't you need to use all the features now. I know, you know, we have a lot, but, you know, this is the most important one, the most um, uh, used by the customers, by our customers. And uh, this is also related to some social validation that I'm not the only one using, uh, you know, using your app. I, there's a lot of customers using that and this is what they're doing uh, you know the first thing that they're they're installing the app the app what i'm trying to say is that we're gently and i think that's important we're gently uh trying to make customers use the app otherwise i don't think it's working studying how people behave can be the key to unlocking what they truly want and how they feel and this is closely linked to our biases what exactly are consumer biases and how are they relevant to banking? For a couple of years, I've been, uh, uh, I've been very passionate about studying this, uh, this phenomenon, this like, psychology, the human psychology, because actually consumer biases are human decision-making errors in purchasing context. So we're doing the same errors as, you know, as consumers, both as humans, uh, decision-making errors. Um, basically this, this, uh, this is related to the fact that, you know, surprise, we're not robots. Okay. So we have feelings, you know, we, we, we tend to believe most of the time that, that we are most of the time, um, you know, rational and we, we, we think deeply, but it's not happening all, all most of the time. So because we, we can't really separate our emotions, you know, for our decisions, in in financial um, uh, in financial uh, industry, it happens the same in the financial products. Um, and uh, you know, if we're thinking about uh, being fully rational and fully data driven, I think that's only for AI and for for robots. Um, and what I've seen is also, despite good intentions, actually, and again, you can analyze that. And this is how I started by analyzing myself in a normal or other other context. Despite all our good intentions, we often make less than know, less than optimal uh, financial choices. Um, and I, I have some examples for you, if you'd like to. Um, this comes in in various uh, reasons most of the time, because we have a lot of things on our mind, and it's not really the most important thing to understand a, a, a financial product. And there's another thing that I'm trying to build inside our organization at the moment is that customers have actually goals and needs, desires. They don't actually, and, and they want to fulfill them, them with different solutions. They don't actually start from thinking, uh, they, they don't start thinking from a financial product to the goal, but rather the goal. And then they find that some of the solutions are related to financial products. And uh, yes, I have some some examples of how we're not very you know rational when when we're doing decisions. Uh, the best ones are related to savings, and I think it's they're very common to most of us. And uh, for example, it's it's a bias that people are it, it's called present bias, or they prioritize today 
over tomorrow. And what, what this means is that they we, because we do that sometimes, we prioritize today's needs and desires over tomorrow's. And, and this means that we, uh, although we know that tomorrow is, is better to save for tomorrow, we don't do that. And that's because it seems that's an effort. And most of the time, it's because we have difficulty in visualizing the future. There's been tests that, and, and studies that when you show your, a picture, when you know a bank, for example, shows a picture of yourself, uh, the retirement, that the chances are for you to save more for a long time. There's been studies uh, doing that. So the idea that we can't really visualize all the time for, for long-time investment, it's, it's not doing us very uh, good. And there's another thing that we prefer, of course, that the satisfaction at the moment rather than, you know, the future savings, even though we know that it's better for us to save for, for the future. Um, another thing that or in another product that we're, we're looking at to see how customers are influenced by this, uh, this biases and these errors is insurances. We also have uh, insurances that we sell, um, you know, also in related to loans. So I think that there's an interesting, we really had this, uh, I don't call it experiment because we put it in production. So it was really interesting because we only, um, there's a, we, we position uh, or we sell um, an insurance, um, an income insurance uh, policy when you, when you get a loan digitally, fully digital. So what we've done is, uh, and when you get this insurance, then you get also a discount in the interest rate of the loan. So, you know, we've been, customers haven't been that, you know, willing to take this insurance, although it's important, especially for, for these days, this income protection insurance. So what we've been trying is actually change the way the customer take the decision, the buttons. And we said, um, instead of, I don't want this insurance, then we change it to, I don't want this insurance and I'm okay to lose those 0.5% of the interest. We, we actually changed only the, the text. And we've been doing that because we know that people are, um, um, are, are loss averse. So they, they hate losing an amount. They hate more losing an amount rather than they're happy winning or, or getting the same amount. So basically, we, we, we try to show them that they're losing this 0.5, I don't know, 1%, whatever it is, that they're they can get if they're not getting this insurance. And actually we've seen increases like from uh, with, with, I think, let me just calculate from a mine, but it was like 20, 30% increase in, in the total uh, acceptance of taking that, that insurance. And this was a great use case internally to show that actually this focus on behavioral science and, and understanding how customers take decisions it's it's good and especially in financial um, institution is good if you're trying again, but this is really important. If you're trying to uh, improve the customer's well-being and financial health, so with the product. So if this is the objective, then I think it's really important to to uh, to have this skill in in the organization because this very small changes can have a huge impact in, in customers' well-being in the end. So we have more customers who are protected against um, any problems that they have with their, their salaries. So, 
the study of consumer behaviour can truly help banks understand the people they serve, and therefore co-create more value. However, most banks do not effectively incorporate the research of consumer psychology, at least as well as they could. How does Andre think this situation might be improved? Whenever I'm passionate about it, I'm trying to convince others that uh, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, it really works when you're passionate about it because it's easier to convince people. And uh, first of all, um, I really think this is working and we have the proof now internally with this, with this small test that we've done, which is working. And we're, we're actually looking at other types of, of convincing people to do things that are financially healthy for them. But regarding to how I see this working in or, or more used in the customer experience domain, or honestly, if you ask me, I don't even want to be used in customer experience necessarily. I want to be used more in, in when you build products and services and you want to be to do good for, for your customers. I think this is important. Um, I, why I think it, it's, it's related to the customer experience is first, first of all, and I was saying earlier that in general, customers want to fulfill their goals. So customer experience is actually about improving the customer's journeys to fulfill their goals. So if your goal is to save more, then my role as a customer experience expert is to design your journey to be as easier, as faster, as seamless for you to save more and you know, to fulfill your goals with the savings. So actually, this is what it does. Using behavioral economics and then studies in customer experience can help us help customers fulfill their financial goals. Um, and uh, yes, and I also think that, but I, maybe I here I'm biased, that, <laughs> that in the world of, of financial services, um, employing this discipline it has a lot of potential and a lot of impact. Because we're talking about customers' future, customers' you know well-being, uh, in terms of financial uh, importance. So I think this is really important, in, especially in, in banks and financial institutions. There's another thing. What I think, why I think in banks it's important is that financial products are unattractive, are complex, and sometimes difficult to purchase. So in order to, um, and although most of the products, most of the products are doing good to customers because they're fulfilling their goals. And if they're using it correctly, then they, they have, uh, you know, that it's a good impact. In short, you know, the, 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 the products are boring, you know, and therefore customers, okay, they take shortcuts, mental shortcuts to get rid of this. So, you know, I'll, I'll go fast, you know, I'll, I don't know how to evaluate the products. I don't understand them. So I, I'm very prone to making wrong decisions. That's why it's important to reduce these situations where customers take wrong decisions with their financial uh, products. And yes, as a, as, a, you know, as a way to embed the skills, I'm, you know, if you're working in an agile environment, then you can do it as a skill in any squad or any, you know, any tribe or whatever you're, uh, you're you're organized okay so whenever you build something for the customers it can be even a communication then someone with this skill should be there to give a look and say okay what are, what are we trying to do are we trying to convince the customer to are we trying to make him read are we trying to do an action 
what are we trying to do with this product service or communication and starting with that you know look for how you can actually fulfill your goal with that in order to help customer fulfill their goals i wanted to ask a question regarding what you were saying before about the biases when you started learning about all sorts of these biases uh, did you suddenly become more aware of what you were doing when you were in these situations yes that's true so uh, the more you know it the more you realize when when they happen and i think you know touching this uh it it you know it brings something to my mind that i haven't thought about is why don't we teach customers about their biases and you know in order okay when we're not there then they can take care of themselves in order to not you know not take those wrong decisions so yeah but definitely whenever you learn something especially that you see it on yourself you started both to see them when you're doing it and that's the first step in correcting um identifying and then of course taking measures if you'd like to otherwise I'm not saying you should change anything. You should change everything, but you know sometimes we know we 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 are wrong, but we still do it. I mean, yeah, I've saved so much. You know, I I haven't eaten you know for two weeks something sweet. Okay, I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah, or small or things like smoking or things yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, we, all, we so always do things that we do. It's the same wrong. with yeah. financial. Okay, I've been saving it, but I haven't been spending big. I haven't been a big spender for the past um and that's also a bias by the way. I haven't been spending for for the last two weeks or I've been very you know very I've been paying a lot of attention with my spendings. Okay, I I really like this pair of shoes, you know, that's it. Consumer research creates data and data analysis leads to greater understanding. Therefore, what role can data play in improving customer experiences in banking specifically and how? I think, you know, data is crucial to customer experience. You know, if there was no data, there was no customer experience. And and because why? Why, obviously. It's because you don't know what to improve actually. Customer experience is again this this way of looking at the customer journey and trying to make it about uh, better for the customers to fulfill their goals. If you don't know how that journey is, you know, what's the perception of the customer on that journey, um then you don't know what to improve, you know, what to manage if you don't have data. Um and there's two ways I guess in which we look at data. So there's data that show us the current situation. So like I was saying we you know we look at the uh, the customer's perception through different ways you know surveying you know uh, asking them interviews um we look at the customer behavior that shows the current situation their spending you know what the channels they use so we're looking at data to show us what's happening what's the status what's the current what's the as is what we're calling it and this guide us this gives us some information on where exactly to take action why i think it's really important to understand where to take action is because customer experience is a under budgeted <laughs> um uh, you know zone or, or area within companies in general so this means that we don't have all the budget in the world this means of course that we have to prioritize and there's that's where data can also help you help you prioritize 
the actions that you take for the customers. I like to say that, you know, I don't want to improve all the experience for the customers. I just want to improve the, the touch points or the interactions where we tell the customers that we bring the most the value. What I'm trying to say is that we, we're coming back to the value, closing the circle. So what I'm trying to say is that if we're saying that we're, we want customers to use, uh, to have a great digital experience, that this is where I'll invest my resources in customer experience or most of my resources. I don't want to have, you know, the best uh, ATM experience. I just want their ATM experience to be good enough, but I want their digital experience to be the best. So that's what I'm trying to say with prioritizing in customer experience. I think you should prioritize based on data and your brand uh, your brand promises. Uh, I, I like to say brand experiences. You should have brand experiences, otherwise you wouldn't differentiate with other competitors. So this is how data can help us. First of all, assess what's the situation from both you know both um, um, data perspectives, per, per, uh, customer percent, per, per, uh, customer um, yeah perceived way, and also for where to focus your uh, your actions. Generally, I think like listening, hearing you saying all of this and like your focus and when it comes to data and how to utilize it. Uh, when I've been reading about banks and customer expectations, there's a common theme that there is a big difference in what banks and banking executives are hoping and looking to deliver in the next coming years and what customers actually expect. Uh, why do you think is that on a global level when it comes to the banking industry? In general, I think, you know, and also from the delivery point of view, but also from the expectations. So I've been reading also some, um, some, some articles, some studies saying that, you know, we, the, 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 the board believes that they offer a great experience, whereas the perception of customers is very low, you know, when, when it comes to, to experience. I think that's because there's a disconnection between the board, the 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 C level, and the customer, the so there's there's no direct connection there. So there's a lot of layers from the customer to the board. That's why the perception is different. You know, I'm seeing it in in everyday situation, not necessarily in banking. That think about it. If you were a board member, would you? Um, or, or would you have the same experience as a regular customer with your products and, and the, the services? Not, not really, only if you'd like to. But sometimes if you need something, you know who to call to solve your problem. If you like a product, you don't go to the branch or you don't open the app, or maybe you open the app, but maybe you ask someone for, you know, from, from your organization to help you with that product. So I think... That's where the, the disconnection happens it, because most of the senior leaders are not sometimes going into the customer, real customer's shoes. And they don't build those effective way of understanding the customer's uh, experience as a, you know, as a customer experience representative, as a frontline representative. So they, they know better. Actually, they know better than us. The ones that know better the customers and their perception, their experience, are the ones that are in direct contact with with the customers. That's the, the ones that they know a lot better. 
And why is because, you know, we have our surveys and, the, you know, we, we ask customers, but there's a different thing when you see, when you observe, when you interact with the customer and when you ask them, there's a different insight that you get when you interact with them and when you ask them about that. So, you know, they, they already have a perception. They, they answer in different, <laughs> different biases. So, yes. So I think that's, that's the problem because there's no direct connection frequently. I'm not saying that the CEOs should stand in the front line all the time, but there should be a lot more direct connection with customers or raw data rather. So, okay, listening to calls and things like that. Yeah, and I think that was my question. Calling it raw data, I think the answer is yes. It's like the front line is the most difficult place to collect data at the same time. Yes. And, and to quantify it and put it in a depository and actually analyze it. Yes, uh, it's true because it's in their head and in their heart. It's not in a system. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Why not subscribe to our YouTube channel for access to full-length videos, clips of chapters, and also YouTube shorts for our best moments. If you want to join our growing community of thought leaders, head over to LinkedIn and follow us at CX Insider Podcast to stay updated. Thanks again, and I'll see you in two weeks. But for now, enjoy our rapid-fire questions. By the way, this podcast has been brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. What is your favorite psychology book? Definitely Thinking Fast and Slow. Would you ever live anywhere besides where you live now? Yes. Where? I really love Amsterdam. We have a lot of friends there. Uh, and also I like now Vienna. Oh, I love Vienna. It's my favorite city in Europe. <laughs> yes. For the family part, though, let's say until the kids are 18. If you ask me after that, I would go in more exotic places <laughs> like, I don't know, Bali, Indonesia, and things like that. <laughs> what scares you? Uh, what scares me? Well, I think sometimes myself, honestly. <laughs> Interesting answer. <laughs> yes. What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Weirdest? Um, uh, unfortunately, most of I have a, a, a saying saying that if someone ate that before me, then it's okay. So it's hard for me to remember something, but I honestly think I've eaten some cockroaches at one point at one uh, uh, one event which I remember but again I try everything actually if if someone ate it before me and didn't have a problem I'll eat it okay um and I, we always ask this question if you could interview anyone who would that be I think Steve Jobs honestly I know it's a you know it's a answer everybody gives that but I you know it's it's been really inspiring for me in this customer experience um, uh, world that I'm, I'm living in. Mm -hmm. Cool. And my last question, actually, uh, it's a bit of a personal question. If you could recommend it to someone who is interested in studying consumer behavior and consumer psychology, where would you recommend them to start? I think with online articles, I, I think they're great for, for, for people to start looking at, at online articles. Um, following on LinkedIn, I've discovered that there's a lot I didn't even know until I've, you know, I've uh, studied a bit more. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn that you can, um, uh, you can follow. And uh, the content there, it's a lot easier to digest, at least at the beginning. So maybe LinkedIn first and some, some online articles and then go to books. Okay, 
Thank you. Thank you very much. That's all. Thank you also.